0: All okay, right, thank you, Pastor. Well, we're in Revelation chapter 13 tonight, and chapter 13 is a very discussed chapter uh, of the book of Revelation. There's a lot of disagreement amongst those who teach it read it, and by God's grace, I hope I don't add to your confusion any tonight. This chapter speaks about two very important persons or personalities during the uh, tribulation time. The two beasts, the beast of the sea and the beast of the earth, the antichrist, and the false prophet. Now, if we have time at the end, I have a quite lengthy statement, really, by Dr. Hahn. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. DeHaan Sr. He was a medical doctor who surrendered his life to ministry and uh, turned out to be a great Bible teacher. But I've copied this, and I don't know just from where, but it's a quote from him concerning the numbers in the Bible. You know, there's a study called Biblical Numerology. And uh, this chapter would help you to know a little bit about it, but we're not going to confuse you with that yet. We're just going to get right into the Scriptures. And we'll look at this chapter... Of some 18 verses and two sections and each section will have some little sections by itself and so let's begin in chapter 13 and first we'll look at verses 1 and 2 and I stood upon the sand of the sea let me say this right now there are some in fact quite a few who believe that this and I stood should be uh, a direct reference to uh, the end of chapter uh, 12 and verse 17 where are speaking about the dragon. By reading it, you would naturally think that John is the one that's speaking here. And I'm not going to argue that either way I hope personally that it is John, and I'll show you why as we go through, but in case you're wondering, and you've read some on that, he said, and I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy." And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the, dra- and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Uh, we have a lot here that will help you in a lot of the confusion that. About this chapter, if you'll just look at these two verses uh, closely, it, it comes out of the sea. The sea uh, in Scripture oftentimes is a reference to humanity, to the masses of humanity, and in this case, he comes out of the sea. That means the mass part part of human nature or human beings because the antichrist you need to know this the antichrist and the he and the false prophet both are persons just like you and I they're flesh and blood just like you and I except they are demon possessed which i i'm sure you're not and i know I'm not So he comes out of the sea. He comes out of the mass of humanity. Well, that would tell me that he'd be a Gentile. Because the mass of humanity is Gentile. It's not Jewish. As many believe that the Antichrist is a Jew. I do not hold with that. This is just one of the reasons I do not. And it says here... He comes out of the uh, sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, the seven heads, we had mentioned this earlier back in one of the other chapters. These seven heads are, are referring to seven governments uh, that preceded uh, the Antichrist, preceded this time of history. They begin with Egypt. And then there was the Babylonian and the Medo-Persian. And then there's the Greek and then the Roman. I'm left that one. Uh, Let's go back over it again. There's the, oh, I I know who it is. It's the Egypts. It's the Assyrians. It's the Babylonians. It's the Medo-Persians. It's the Greek. And it's the Roman. And the seventh is the Antichrist. And so uh, these are the seven heads. That's in reference here. The ten horns, of course, is in reference to the, the beast uh, in the revived Roman Empire that we read about in Daniel chapter number two, in particular, the feet, the toes, the ten toes of, of um, uh, iron and clay. Okay, and upon his uh, horns, ten crowns, so they had kingdoms and upon the his head the name of blaspheming notice his head back to singular talking about the antichrist upon his head that okay and the beast which i saw was likened to there's the symbolism now likened to tells you this is symbolic he it's not that he was a leopard but he was likened to a leopard And further it says, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. Now these three uh, animals, or beasts really, uh, are mentioned in detail in Daniel chapter number 7. You read the book of Daniel and you should always really, when I teach uh, this course and uh, when I taught it in college, I always taught first the book of Daniel because Daniel is, a, you need a good understanding of Daniel to really appreciate the teachings in the book of Revelation. But in Daniel chapter 7, it speaks of the same beast. The big difference there, you'll see, if you're keen of thought, you'll see a reversal in the order. Uh, Daniel talks about Babylon, then the Medo-Persians, then the Greeks, then, of course, the Romans. Here, he's in the Roman period, so he doesn't include Rome. He looks back, beginning with Greek, which is the typified by the leopard for their quickness, for their uh, um, quickness of Alexander, the great conquered, and then the feet of the bear the bear is the Medo-Persian empire. Medo-Persian, you remember uh, the two kingdoms and uh, the one greater than the other, one, which is the Persian, even though it's named second because it's not as old as the Medo uh, kingdom. And so the Medo-Persian empire is named next. As, as John looks at it, he looks back He looks back, so he begins with Greek and goes back to the lion where uh, Daniel goes from the the lion and goes to the Greek, right? Okay, and upon, uh, uh, okay, the leopard uh, and his uh, feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And those are the three major kingdoms that preceded this. Actually, if you know, I've told you before, the age of the Gentiles begins in 600 B.C. with the Babylonian Empire. And it continues, we're living in it today, the age of the Gentiles, and it continues all the way up through this age of grace and all the way through the uh, tribulation to the very end when Christ comes back. That will end the age of the Gentiles. So this uh, line, of course, uh, and if you have studied the book of Daniel, you'll notice that these figures were represented in gold, silver, and then brass, and then iron, and iron and clay. The value of each metal, of course, diminishes. Gold. Gold being the most expensive. Gold uh, typified the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonian Empire was the most powerful. It was the most uh, godly type of empire because God is a theocracy and it was a complete control. Uh, all the other governments had less control, but Babylon had all control. Nebuchadnezzar didn't have to ask the committee or have a meeting to see uh, what law to pass. The Medo-Persians did. They were the next ones, you recall. And the authority uh, decreases as the value of the the thing. But here what you need to know is that this beast uh, has all these characteristics. If you read about this fourth beast... You read that he is—he is a grotesque thing. They can't say like a lion or a, a, a leopard or a, a bear. Uh, they cannot uh, identify it with anything because it is so grotesque. And uh, of course, it's represented on that image as the toes, but uh, not the feet or detest, but that they—he uh, is detest the because. He is a representative of these other kingdoms. And so uh, he's he's a really um, Mother Hubbard type of a person, I guess you'd say. He just put in with all kinds of pieces. And the dragon, now notice this, the dragon gave him his power. Him, or, or gave him his power and his seat, that's his throne, and great authority given to him by the dragon. We know, we've already studied, the dragon is Satan. Satan calls down to the abyss that summons up one of his chief, chief, very most powerful demons to possess this man. And he is a man. He is a man. He's no superman. He's, he, he, at this point, he's a man. But he's in, empowered by Satan. And he's empowered by demon possession. You know, it's, it's not strange that we live in an age today where demon, uh, demonism is very popular. It's getting more popular. Here's Halloween. Uh, you don't need to have anybody... Uh, remind you of all the goblins and, and witches and dragons and all that stuff. Uh, that's all connected with that, but it's more than just that. But we live in an age where demonology is gathering up. One of the courses I took as an elective when I was in college was on demonology. Uh, the textbook was by Merle Unger, but I want to caution you because he came out with a later book on demonology, which I would not agree with. The primary reason is now he teaches that a Christian can be possessed in his original writings. In his original book on demonology, he did not teach that and it's not true. Demons cannot possess Christians. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you. That's referring to the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's the devil. He can't possess Christians. He can influence them, and he does. Uh, Very often, people get backslidden away from God and and out of the will of God, and and, uh, he leads them astray, but he cannot possess them. To possess means to control. He has control of this man who is going to be this uh, one taken out of the, I believe, the Gentile nations. And and by the way, uh, that passage, some believe that that's speaking of the Mediterranean Sea. Well, uh, that could be true also. It could be out of the sea or humanity and out of the segment of humanity within the Mediterranean Sea. Because most likely he will be of the... Uh, uh, the center of the Roman Empire, and that's out of that area. Uh, Rome was not as powerful and as worldly uh, powerful as many of you think, uh, nor any of these other kingdoms that we read about, but the Antichrist will be. He will be dominant over the entire world. Uh, the Romanism and the Roman Catholic Church uh, has never had that kind of power, believe me. Uh, they have some of Europe, the Mediterranean, some in North Africa. that's about it. Uh, okay Let's move on. Now uh, that's the first two verses which gives us uh, tells us about the emergence of this beast. Now we see some of his uh, the deadly wound mentioned in verse three. and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded in, uh, to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, because of this, some believe that this is a representation of the uh, Roman Empire falling and coming back to life, being revived. And, and I don't believe that. And I'll tell you why a little bit later, Okay. We just won't go into that any further. What you need to see is that he sees this one of his, of his heads is wounded, and uh, and he has a deadly wound. Now we're going to see later that this is a wound from a sword. It tells us that, okay. And deadly doesn't mean that it's a death wound. It appeared to be. He told it was. He's, he let it believe that the people believed that he was dead, but he wasn't dead. Let's go on, and they worshiped in verses four. Verse four now, we see the deadly wound of the beast in verse three, and then in, in verse number four we see the worship of Satan by uh, all of the world, and they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. You notice it's emphasizing this over and over. He has his power from the devil, Satan, the dragon. and But he is just a demon-possessed person. He's a person, okay? But he has given this power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is likened to the beast who is able to make war with him? Now, one of the things that makes the study of Revelation so confusing is that it's not chronological order. Uh, This we're reading here takes place at the middle of the tribulation period. And this, uh, qualifying this statement here is, who is likened to the beast and who is able to to, uh, make war with him? And the the assumed answer is nobody because he's so powerful, okay? But now, why is that here? Well, at the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist takes full control. He doesn't until then. But he takes control only after he's defeated the northern kingdoms Ezekiel 38 and 39 tells us about a battle including Russia and others. will come down from the north. They're fighting over Israel. They want Israel. Uh, some of my teachers have told me in the past that the, the thing that was in their eye was the old dollar. The old dollar sign followed the money. And they were coming to Israel not to be Jews and not even that they were that concerned with the Jews. These northern people, they were coming to Israel for money because they say that the Mediterranean, not the Mediterranean, the Dead Sea, all the years the water has flowed in and not flowed out. The sediment is so thick it's the most salty body of water they tell you on earth. I don't I've never been there, but they say you cannot sink. They say you can go out there and lay in it and just float around like a dead log. Is that right? Because the salt is so concentrated, the mineral, not just salt, but minerals. And the minerals that are in that sea, they said if it was processed, distilled or however they do it, it would would be the equivalent of all the money that's ever been printed. That's great wealth. Oil is not the only thing of wealth in that part of the world. But in any case, he's there. Nobody can challenge him now. The first half of the tribulation, he was more like a politician of our day, speaking out of both sides of his mouth. And in fact, I heard tell uh, one day last winter here, it was so cold that he saw the mayor with his hands in his own pocket. Uh, I don't know, but just the way they illustrate it. But, <laughs> but in any case, uh, the, the, um, the, the world is not going to be able to contest him. He's defeated his enemy. Now there's nobody. And who can declare war? That's why I say that fits in the middle of the tribulation. Now let's let's, uh, uh, move on here a little bit. In uh, verses 5 and 6, we see the blasphemous character of this beast uh, as um, the world ruler. Look in verses 5 and 6 with me. And there was given unto him a a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him, there it is again, given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God uh, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. His attack is against God and all that God is. This here has got to be in the end of the tribulation. And let me tell you what it's saying here, in my opinion. And and these things were given unto him. uh, It was given to him a mouth speaking great things. This is God who's giving it now. God is giving to Satan, the old dragon. He's given to the old devil a power he's always wanted. He's wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be above all the other angels. And uh, he's never had it, but he still wants it. And uh, he's to to, uh, uh, preclude him ever being able to say to the Lord something like this, in eternity. Well, I would have I would have won if I could have really had the power. Well, God's going to give him power. He's going to give him power in the second half of the tribulation, unlike any other power he's ever had. He's going to have power, so much power that, that without, except for God, he would take over everything and everybody would worship him and the people in the on the earth will worship him no doubt we'll see that further uh, as we go on in verse 7 we see the universal dominion of this beast it says and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and power is given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations I'm telling you, none of these other world powers ever had that kind of power. They had a great segment of the world, and they were world power. In the sense that nobody could ever challenge them. I mean, but they never did challenge them. They didn't go into certain areas of the world. But in their area of the world, and around any of that came to them, they were all-powerful. But they were not as powerful as the devil. And their kingdom will not be as powerful as his kingdom. He's going to have power over all the world. Every tongue, every nationality, every people. All nationalities, no matter who they are. Now think of it. Again, the most recent is Rome. You study the Roman Empire. They didn't have all power. How much, how much power they have in China? But they were a world power, don't get me wrong. I'm not diminishing the teachings and the fact that they were world power. And that this Antichrist is going to be a world power, but his power, Satan's going to give the devil so much power that no one's ever had before. He'll have no excuse. He'll have no excuse, but he'll still end in failure, as he, as he always does. These, um, the beast and the false prophet, they are just stooges, in a sense. Now, you and I are much more powerful than we are. They're demon-possessed, both of them. They have fantastic powers, but they but they are just distilled. The devil's mouthpiece. Satan is still the one who's pulling their strings, picking them up and putting them down. Don't ever think any different. The Antichrist and the false prophet are both people who are demon-possessed. Okay? Now, we go on. After verse 7 we get to verse 8 and we see the universal worship of the beast in verse 8 and it says and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world because those are the martyrs, most of them. Some of them live. Don't think that everybody dies during the tribulation." Not, not all the, the Jews will die, die and not all the Gentiles will die. There'll be a number of them who will live in natural bodies and be alive at the end of the tribulation. These are the ones that you read about in Matthew 25 when there's the judgment of the nations. They were in natural bodies and they go into the millennial reign of Christ in natural bodies to begin the thousand-year reign. Now, those who live during that time and survive and are not believers, they are the goats. They're judged. They're cast into the lake of fire. That's, that's finished. They're okay. But now, uh, he's going to have the entire world to worship him. They're all going to follow him. Been a lot of folks who say, and uh, I think maybe I'll cover, cover that later. I'll just wait. And now verses 9 and 10. If any man have an ear, let him hear. You notice something missing there? That was a popular phrase when we studied the seven churches. And it said, If any man hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says. Okay? to the churches. The church is not mentioned here because the church isn't here. <laughs> the church is in heaven. That just shows you again the uh, minute accuracy of the word of God. I no mistakes here. But but it is a common statement. If any man here uh, have an ear, let him hear. Listen up, he says. Pay attention. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience in the, in the faith of the saints. That's in relation, that's, that's referring to in a not too common of a way, but it's referring to the martyrs going that uh, tribulation time. Two-thirds, they claim two-thirds uh, of the believers are gonna die a martyr's death. Only about a third are going to live in natural bodies throughout the tribulation who are believers. And uh, this is referring to them. That, that is their, uh, uh, their trust in God shown here. Now we come to this second beast. And I'm doing okay on my time. The second beast, the beast from the earth. And I beheld another beast. Remember, the word another talks about something of like or equal. And what it's saying here, I'm showing you another demon possessed beast. (laughs) Demon possessed, they're both. Both of them, messengers of Satan. Both of them, given their power by the devil. It's another beast, just like the other in that sense. Coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon. Now there's a big difference in a lamb and a dragon. A dragon is talked about being powerful. A lamb is kind of a meek critter. They have horns. A a horn on a lamb is just a bump. (laughs) Doesn't even break the hairline. But they do have horns. But they're not very intimidating. You take a set of horns of a rhinoceros or something like that, and uh, there's a big difference. Well, a rhinoceros has nothing like the, the devil. He has ten horns. Huh? The Antichrist has ten horns. This one just has two little bumps on his head. Okay? Uh, and that's talking about his religious... Uh, job the Antichrist remember this is a political warlike figure the Antichrist is a worshipping ministerial type person Uh, but he has power same power as the Antichrist has they work for the same guy called the dragon the devil. And they both have power given by him. And it says in verse 12, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. No doubt. He has just as much power. He's possessed by Satan, or demonic Satan possession. I don't think Satan per se in Possesses these people. Um, His job is bigger than just one. He's got both of them. And he's operating, pulling both strings, complete control by not possessing them, but having his chief demons possess them. Okay? And he uh, exercises all the power of the first beast. He has just as much power before him and causes the earth... and and them uh, which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And there's again, talking about that wound. A deadly wound, a deadly wound was healed. There's a healing takes place in this Antichrist, not the false prophet, the Antichrist, and is performed, the healing is performed the ceremony or so forth is performed by the the false uh, prophet, but it's really Satan's power that's doing all this. And and uh, uh, they uh, which dwell therein and worship the first beast whose deadly wound was he- healed. So his job is to lead the worship. This false prophet is going to be the, relig- the leader of the world religion. You know, today, and it's not just today, better than 10 years ago, I was aware of local organizations which were trying to get everybody together, where the Catholics, the Jewish, all these people were getting together in their meetings, trying to get a world church and they weren't going to be satisfied with that because they were talking and speculating how that it would be best, not just religion, Christianity and Jew, they want all religions. All religions of the world. And that's what this is going to be. We see today a world council of churches. Uh, we see uh, the... They, they, uh, the beginning of such a thought just like uh, uh, Bush senior you know when he said uh, a new world order or people's ears picked up that's the first time it was ever mentioned but it's common now talking about the world order I wrote a paper when I was in college uh, for and I had to give the speech um, it was really a speech that I wrote but it was a, a term paper and we had to pick a subject and then give the speech, A little, and it was put into the speech contest for our class. There were uh, 1,300 in my freshman class, and, and so it was quite a few people. No, no, this was just for the male students, so to eliminate all the girls. And that's half of them. And, uh, but there were still quite a few in this. My subject, they, they always told us, pick something different. It doesn't have to be a a religious subject, any subject that you can make a speech on. My choice, and I only got to about the second round before I got tossed out on my hair. My choice was get the U.S. out of the U.N. and the U.N. out of the United States. (laughs) Now, I was a real odd dog then, but you know, there's a lot of people saying that today. When I said that, it was my my, my uh, speech professor he kind of looked at me, you know, said, what are you trying to do, cause a bunch of trouble? No, I'm supposed to speak when I speak, and so I spoke, and I won a couple rounds, but I didn't get very far, and, and uh, I don't know. I think it was more the speaking I did than the subject, but not, nevertheless, uh, that, that was my experience. But anyhow... They, they worship this beast. Now we see, as we move on, and I'm getting behind on my notes here, uh, the, de- the deceptive miracles of the false prophet is in verses 13 and 14. And he doeth great wonders. That's miracles. Doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of the men. He deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do. in the sight of all the beasts saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image of the beast which had the the wound uh, by by, uh, a sword. There it is. Now this wound is by the sword. You see, well, I don't, I don't, I don't go into this train of thought. Well, it's part of the Roman country and this, that. No, these are people. That's what these are: people who are possessed by the devil. This one here, the Antichrist, has a wound. Now, I don't know how he got the wound. It doesn't say. My mind makes me wonder. You know had that big fight with the northern kingdom. Maybe he got wounded. Maybe that's where he got it. I don't know. But he had a wound that looked like it would cause his death. It was a deadly wound. And it was by a sword. It does say that. Okay. Now, let me tell you, let me add this here. At least I forget because I'm not following the notes. The Antichrist to tell you how confusing we can get in our study. We start out at the middle of the tribulation, but when this false prophet comes on the scene, do you know that he could be on the scene today? And so could the, so could the uh, uh, Antichrist. We know he's not going to be a baby. We're going to be a, a full-grown person that the devil's going to possess. And so, it's only seven years long, folks. The rapture takes place. This guy, he doesn't step in the office the first day. Don't think of that. The tribulation seven-year period does not begin until the covenant is made with Israel for peace. A seven-year peace that's broken at halfway mark. So from the rapture to that time, we don't know. I don't, we don't think it's long, but we don't know. But we do know that the false prophet is going to be working in his position, maybe like Roman Catholicism, you know, heads up all the... Uh, and they, they'd be a vehicle perhaps used, I don't know, by the World Council of Churches to, to take them all the victory as the leader. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this, that there's going to be an organization in operation that we today can readily see the beginning of a world not a world council or churches. That's it. That's history. But it, at the beginning of the tribulation, this thing is going to be in operation, and this false prophet is going to be talking with the Jew. You know the thing that's going to bring that man in the the being is to have the question of the world is crying. Peace. Peace at any price. And that wider come charging in on that white horse that we read about in Revelation 6. And he said, Here I am, I got the answers. I've got all the answers. And the false prophet says, Listen to him, listen to him. This may be the one. To the Jew, this may be your Messiah. Listen to him. They wouldn't listen to the Messiah. The Jews over there today won't listen to the Messiah. But, but they're coming to a time when they're going to be changed in a day. The end, whenever those two false, or two uh, witnesses, not false witnesses, but two witnesses in Jerusalem and 144,000 old Jews, whenever they do their missionary work, there, there'll be a great turning of the Jewish people to the Lord. And he's going to protect them in that second half. He takes them to a, their place. Now the Gentiles, they don't have that kind of protection. And they're being slaughtered. Jews during the first half, you better believe it. A lot of them, a lot of them don't believe. But there's a nation turned in a day. But that, that Antichrist is working, and he makes this agreement. He gets this agreement for the, uh, the, uh, the Antichrist to bring up to sign up an agreement with Israel. And it's it dark. But listen, Israel's done some stupid things in the past. You look at how they brought in heathen gods into their temple and did all kinds of things. You read your Old Testament history, you'll find out that they have some dark days in their past. There's hardly too much they haven't done. Okay? And so don't think they're going to be so holy and righteous all the way through this. They're not at the beginning. They're going to be in this group. They're going to be in this one world church. It's not going to be a church. It's going to be a one world religion. All this false religion started at Babel. And it's all based on W-O-R-K-S. All false religions. Not just Christianity's false religions, but all false religions based on works of some fashion. That thing is moving. And that happens at the second half that's when, it, that's when that piece is broken. So I'm saying this false prophet just doesn't come on the scene in the midpoint. We were talking about the midpoint, but now we have to go back to the beginning. But then he comes to the midpoint. And he had power in verse 15 to give life unto the image of the beast. Did he? You say, well, it says that, preacher. Don't you believe the Bible? Yes, I believe the Bible. I believe we need to study the Bible. The word life there in the Greek is the same word that we get breath or spirit. So what what it could very well mean is that he had power to give him the appearance of life. That's not too hard to do, folks. You ever watch uh, educational channels and see a a medical mannequin. <laughs> I mean, that they do surgery and all that on. My, my son is telling us today, he has computer, he has a meeting of Marv people. Some people can be there, some can't. But with uh, AI, hears their voice one time, he knows who it is. And so when they type up the the written copy of the meeting they'll have tomorrow, those that are there and those that are not, they'll all know who's doing the speaking, whether they're across the country or here. They can do that today, folks. It's not so hard for people today to have you fold, to think that that's a, a life, and it just has the appearance of life. It can breathe, it can talk, so can, they, so can those computers, those robots that they make. You see on TV all the time, too much. But he says here that they have power to give life and unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast, that they should be killed. This has changed now. The world religion is dissolved (laughs) by acclamation of the old devil through the Antichrist. Finish it. Not going to have any worship of anything but me. Make an image of me like Nebuchadnezzar did. Set it up and in Daniel chapter 3 you read that if they didn't bow down and worship it, they Threw them into the, uh, lake, uh, the fiery furnace, and the three Hebrews went head in. Okay, that's what happens here. He causes us all, both small and great, verse sixteen, rich and poor, free and bond, to pr- receive the mark of their uh, in their right hand, or in their foreheads. This will not be a chip. I don't believe that you can't see, but you scan. Now this will be a visible sign, a visible sign to where the little country grocer will know if you have it or not. <laughs> and that, and it says in verse 17, and that no man might buy or sell save he that hath the mark of the or the name of the beast or the number of his name. They have to have this mark in order to live. You can't live without food. You can't buy food without this sign. Many believers, those that don't have the mark of the Antichrist, those who receive the mark, they're doomed. They're they're gone. But there will be some who don't, and they'll die a martyr's death. Make it clear. And then verse 18, Here is wisdom. And it is more wisdom than I have. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. Don't ever forget that. It is the number of a man. And his number is six score and six. Or six, six, six. A man. I telling you this. This beast is not going to be any more than a man. He can't be any more than a man. The only man that Satan has is those that he possesses. He's an angel. He's an angelic creature. But he possesses these beings, this false prophet and this antichrist. And they are here, and they are, have the number of a man. We don't know what that means. And, and, and every, and I listen, I've got notes. I took notes. And back, there's all kind of people trying to say who the Antichrist is. The book of Thessalonians tells you that he's not revealed until after... The saints are taken out. So if you want to stick around and find out who he is, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, he's beyond knowledge as to who he is. You don't know. I don't know. I do know that these the antichrists and the false prophets are both men. I know they get their power from the dragon that he is in control it has all to do with all that, but the, the devil is not a man. These are men. And man, number six, is the number of man. And it's one short of being seven, which is perfection. And none of us are perfect. We like to think.